People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Commas by Bravo. Hey, Iz. Hi, Em. Guys, that reunion. What what just happened? <laughs> that was like the rowdiest tornado of a reunion. I don't know what I was expecting, but... It wasn't that. It was yeah. not that. I know. I mean, okay, full disclosure, it's 11.19 p.m. on Wednesday night. We are literally recording this pretty immediately after watching. Obviously, we have a little bit of delay for note-taking purposes. So we have not yet watched the Peacock unseen footage, uncensored version. I just can't imagine something that was more uncensored than that. Like, they really were just came out swinging. This is the kind of thing where I think you could watch it back 10 times and find something new that someone said. And I I guess I want to start it off by saying my overall takeaway is like, we've been waiting so eagerly for this reunion. It's all we've wanted from the moment that this broke. And then we realized, holy shit, they're filming the reunion so soon. Like I have been on edge for this. And I think as hard as everybody tried to keep everything super tight, it just didn't work because, and I mean, by the way, I'm so grateful. I loved all the podcasts. I love all the interviews. I love all the Instagram stories following along on the journey. So it, I just feel like I didn't necessarily learn anything new. I more just cared about watching the dynamics of them walking into a fucking season reunion like a week or days after finding out about this and seeing their dynamics and attitudes. Like this again was just a a full character study. Like I think we learned more maybe in last week's finale, but this is just like a dynamic breakdown. Yes. I, I mean, just to be able to witness the fact that that was the first time they were ever all in the room together. And you saw, you know, what Andy said a few weeks ago when he was describing Sandoval, he was like, he was pretty much a shell of himself. And I do think that that's a pretty accurate description. A hundred percent. Ariana had a totally different energy than I thought. I think she really snapped into character really quickly, which I totally commend. And seeing clips of Raquel in the trailer a hundred feet away from Sheena is. I mean, talk about a new experience you've never had at a reunion before. No, I nothing could have prepared me for that. Nothing could have prepared me for 
the transition from the literal lion's den where James Kennedy at any moment is ready to jump across Lisa Vanderpump and just fucking attack Tom Sandoval. And then Raquel, it was almost like there needed to be background music of like the Wiggles or something playing in, in her trailer. And she just had this very kind of blissful look on her face, pretty emotionless, genuinely waiting for the commotion to be over so that she could hear Sandoval's response to things. It was unbelievable the difference in energy of those two spaces. I feel like she was an actress who they said, okay, now we're going to get some B-roll shots of you, you know, pretend to watch TV. Watching her facial expressions and reactions to specifically what they're talking about, which is her, and not one single thing even remotely flattering. It was, I mean, what an experience. No, it was like, I don't, I'm, I'm really realizing right now that this is a hard one to do a podcast on because I don't necessarily have words for what just happened. I'm kind of really still processing it. Like the entire time I was just saying out loud, what the fuck is going on right now? This shot of her in the trailer, are you guys kidding? Like, is that what anybody else expected? For some reason, I did not expect that we were going to get the Jackson Brittany watch along, but the Raquel <laughs> version, that's basically what we were getting. People's couch from the trailer. I don't even really know where to begin here. I mean, actually, I do know where to begin here. The pre-reunion sit-downs where we have black screen, white writing. In a reunion first, Annie sat down separately with the principals of the scandal to hear their sides of the story. For Tom Sandoval, it was one final chance to come clean. For Ariana, it was a moment to share her experience. For Raquel, it was a chance to explain how it all happened. But more on that later. I was like... Yes, fucking give that to me. Inject that black screen white writing into my motherfucking veins. They wanted to make sure that we felt special. Like they said, we are not going to make this like any other reunion. Obviously the content and everything going into it is not like any other reunion, but we're going to give that extra splash and really make it known that we are taking this as seriously as everybody else is. Because like, it is one of the most anticipated TV events. I mean, last week's Vanderpump, I think, broke records. There was like 4.1 million people who watched it in the first 24, 48 hours. That is unheard of. The biggest television events don't even get that kind of an audience. So I was glad that this got that respect and that it was sort of introduced in a way that was different than a typical reunion where it's just like everyone in a glam chair. Oh yeah, I mean, I think they were very aware of the magnitude of the situation. And I do think to the best of their ability, they provided. It's just that, like you said, we had already known so much that it wasn't really about finding out new insight. It wasn't necessarily that Andy was going to ask a question where the answer would be shocking. Although I think that will be happening in the next two parts. This was more so just getting us all acquainted with the very bizarre dynamic that was existing, which was basically Tom Sandoval and Tom Schwartz hiding behind Lisa Vanderpump, <laughs> almost like being protected from Lala's wrath by Lisa Vanderpump with Andy Cohen moderating. I'm just wrapping my head around the whole thing. One of my actual favorites came so early on and it was when there was a screenshot of Raquel and Ariana's text. Like that's <gasps> what I'm talking about. I want to look through their phones and see exactly what's going down. So to see Ariana on Wednesday at 9.37 say, you are dead to me. And Raquel text her a day later and say, Ariana, I don't know what to say right now besides I really fucked up and I'm so, so, so sorry. And Ariana responded, shut the fuck up, you fucking rat, and then blocked her. The fact that that is the text that Raquel sent to Ariana in basically her first and I feel like only apology pre-reunion 
is unreal. That again is, I'm so sorry I spilled red wine on your rug. I'm so sorry that I you know, posted a picture you didn't want me to. Not, I'm so sorry that I was having an affair with your boyfriend of nine years and also we are best friends. You know, I was really aware of that whole thing while watching tonight because I was consciously asking myself, like, what is the reaction that I wanted Sandoval or Raquel to have? And it's really an unfair question because realistically, we as the public would never be satisfied with any reaction. I mean, they could have shown up to the reunion on their hands and their knees, literally begging Ariana for forgiveness, and we still wouldn't have felt that it sufficed. However, that being said, the level of apathy coming from Raquel and the level of blaming coming from Tom to me, really contributed to the intensity of emotions you experience watching this. It's like, I know and was very well aware that there's nothing they could have said to make it better, but somehow every word they uttered or even every look they gave made it significantly worse. Like significantly worse as far as I was concerned. But that's my question. Is there a right answer? I think any way that they handled this, we all would have been like, that's wrong. They should have done this. Like, I I honestly am genuinely asking if anyone has an idea what is the correct way that they could have gone about this? Like, I I know one thing for certain, and that's that it could have gone better than it did. Like, whatever they did was not, you know, the option A. However, I just don't think there would ever be a world where like, yeah, that, you know, this is, this feels right. No, that's exactly what I'm saying. At least in my opinion, there's nothing they could have said to make it better. It was just their specific reactions to me, really intensified the situation. I mean, even even no matter what, when he is trying to be his most honest, Tom Sandoval can physically not stop himself from putting the blame on Ariana. And then with Raquel, it's like, I don't even know what to say because it's so much less about her words and so much more about her general serial killer-like aura. Something I was thinking about was, like, obviously not giving Tom the benefit of the doubt, but thinking like, okay, it is obviously not normal circumstance that after something like this happens, you have to sit down at a reunion and provide content and answers for a TV show. Like, let's say in an alternate universe where this had happened, but they weren't on a TV show, would he be able to just say, I'm sorry, Ariana, I'll leave you alone, whatever you want, you're right, like, I'll get out of there. But then I was like, absolutely fucking not. Even when the cameras are down and even when... you know, he doesn't have to like give answers for things. He is still making this a her problem. He is still staying in the house and antagonizing her. It is just, you can't even use it as the excuse of like, well, he only has to talk because, you know, he's on a show because that's not it. He would be saying these things and blaming her and making these excuses regardless if one person was watching or if 4.1 million people were watching. No, but that's exactly it. Like, even if you remove the way that he wants to be perceived by the public, just with Ariana, and she said this on Call Her Daddy, she made it very clear to him, if you want to end this, you're going to have to break up with me. Like, she wasn't going to be the one to do it. And even to be the, quote, bad guy in that scenario in the more formal sense was a reality that he couldn't accept. What does he end up doing? Obviously, the thing that cements him in the role of, like, not only the bad guy, but potentially the worst guy ever. But still, that was an easier pill to swallow. Secretly having an affair with her best friend for the last seven months was an easier pill for him to swallow than looking Ariana dead in the eye and saying, I am removing myself from the situation. I want to break up. He couldn't do it. What's scary too is all the times that he would give excuses that he thought were like really good, valid excuses. And we'll sort of get into this a little bit later when we talk about Ariana and call her daddy, but just 
like how intense the gaslighting was. But I, I mean, I think sometimes people feel like, yeah, he had this like real masterful plan. But I also think how easily and second nature came to him, maybe when he wasn't even thinking, is what's even scarier. And I know we get in the beginning when Lala is saying like, you should be scared of this person, you know, he's dangerous, whatever your opinions on that may be. But there are certainly elements when you can see what someone's capable of that you never expected before to like want to question everything. And Ariana look back on her nine years with someone and say, what what was real and what was not? I feel like that she also said that's a huge part of how she's figuring out how to mourn her relationship. It's like, well, who even was I in the relationship with? I don't know that person. Well, because that's the thing. At the core of it, like even forget about them as romantic partners at a certain point, like you were just spending a lot of time with this person. I know in their particular situation, it was less time than she would have liked. But at the end of the day, they were sleeping in the same house at least many times a week. I mean, there's so many hours and hours that you spend with this person, even if it's passively. And it's so I, I do think that aside from the heartbreak, the anger, the sadness, any of those emotions that she feels, there's also a period of exactly as she said, like kind of freaking out about what is real and what is fake. And I think the challenge there for her is then like not allowing that fear and that confusion to then seep into this next chapter of her life. Because I do think that that's something that can happen to a person. A hundred percent. I'm just looking at our notes from this reunion. I mean, my fingers, I thought I was going to spark a flame how fast I was typing because everyone was talking. There's so much going on. When they cut to a clip of Andy standing between Ariana and Raquel watching Tom perform at BravoCon, and you feel him now be entered into the equation of like, I was duped along with everybody else, but me personally was duped. It's like, yes, this is why... It is so important for him to be there. And I know people have opinions about Lisa being there and if it's necessary or not. But I feel personally, it is important for her and for him to be there because they know this cast better than anybody else. And they have a very specific authority and position in these people's lives that you could not, you you just can't pull out of thin air. Like it's really important. Well, ironically, some of the biggest gaslighting that took place this entire reunion was when Andy asked Tom, yeah, you know, so you're on stage and you're looking down and you see your girlfriend of a decade and your mistress. Does that get you off? And Tom puts his white nail polished hands over his face in disgust that Andy would even ask such a question. He's like, no, God, no. Are you crazy? And I, I literally paused it. I think I texted you. I was like, why are you making Andy Cohen seem like the crazy one for asking what is a very reasonable question, given the fact that you were actively sleeping with her for the last seven months? Tom sort of had that same energy too when he's explaining the timeline. I think Andy asked him about like when they went glamping for Raquel's birthday, which is September. He's like, no, 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 no. We'd like taken a break between, you know, that first time and then when we went glamping. Like that it was such a ridiculous question to ask the status. And he's like, no, 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 we just fucked that one time. And then we got back into it, you know, after her birthday. I'm like, why are you making that like that is so out of this world to assume that maybe things were going on. Especially because what is the footage from glamping? The footage from glamping is Tom Schwartz sitting at the table making the joke about how Raquel is only into taken men. So it's like, even if we want to fully believe Sandoval that that's what happened, that they had this one night stand back in August, you know, nothing had happened for months and then it picked back up in January or whatever the fuck his timeline is. Not only does it not make it better, in some ways it only makes it worse. Because I'll tell you one thing, if they actually were not actively sleeping together for those few months, 
the emotional affair that must have been taking place and the consistency and frequency of the sexual communication that was not physical was probably off the fucking charts. Like you think that that FaceTime sex Ariana found on the phone is the first time? Absolutely not. I would bet my life that if somehow he's telling the truth and they really didn't hook up from let's say September to December, whatever it is, that they were probably having FaceTime sex on the daily. Yeah. And then continuing it after that. I mean, he was literally going to Schwartz's house, probably using his guest room as just like a safe haven to be able to talk to her, FaceTime her, whatever. Wait, I have a good thing I want to ask your opinion about because in this beginning part, when they're still doing like the sit downs with, with Andy, Andy asked Tom, how did things come to you cheating on your girlfriend of nine years with one of her best friends? And Tom goes on his whole spiel about Ariana. We kept our relationship private. We had issues. I felt like her gay BFF. And we put on a front while we were filming. And then it cuts to this unseen footage from September of 2022, which as we know is when like part B of the affair really kicked off. And it was Tom saying to producer, I feel guilty. People put themselves out there. It's not fair. I feel like it's important for us to talk about this shit and not pretend like it's all amazing. And he was saying, I don't feel like it's fair to the rest of the cast. Now we cut to Ariana, who is like, I really feel like we put everything out there. We showed everything, which like, to be fair, they showed a lot. Like what we know, everything we know is only because they've showed it to us. And that he is just desperate and throwing anything at the wall and seeing what sticks. Now, as much as I think that he's a dumb fuck and you know he could manipulate and make a plan, he doesn't think far, this is when I'm like, okay, so not only is he trying to dupe Ariana and all their friends and try and go on the show and start saying to Schwartz, yeah, we're having problems in those really phony ways that we felt he was doing. He's planting it with the producers. He's saying it on mic, off mic. He is literally going to any possible place he could go and put it in people's ears so that when he eventually breaks this news, it's it's expected or something that he, it's a little bit of like a fallback, you know? Okay. So yes, I, I am aligned with you in that those are the moments when you maybe give him a little bit more quote credit for being this manipulative mastermind. I don't even want to use that word because by no means is Tom Sandoval a mastermind, but yes, those are the types of things that would probably contribute to that line of thinking. Here's my thing on it. There is still a part of me, even knowing everything we know now, that does believe on some level Ariana was more committed to maybe not showing the extent of their issues in the way that Tom potentially wanted, even though I think he is totally full of shit for bringing this stuff up kind of out of the blue and the way he did it and the rollout and all of that. 100%, I think that's bullshit. At the same time, I do think Ariana was maybe willing to suppress things a little bit more. Similarly, if you remember to a few weeks ago when we were talking about how at Christina Kelly's party, Lala said on her podcast that Ariana blew up at production, didn't even want to have that conversation. So I, I do think there are probably hints of that that are true. What's so fucking annoying is that here Tom tries to frame it as though, I just don't think it's fair. You know, I'm looking out for the rest of the cast. Why should they have to show all of their downfalls? And here we get to go off unscathed. And it's like, when you really get to the root of it, which is, yeah, he did want to share more, but not because he felt it was unfair to the cast, because he felt that it would make him look like less of a villain when this eventually came out. It's like, you, you the balls on that guy, say what you want about him, the balls on that guy. It's actually like a scary amount of balls. Like, I know. No one should have this amount of balls. I, I would not know what to do with it. I just, I already know. No. 
And I think it's not fair because like, yeah, when it came to their relationship, like you both can show whatever you want. You both sit down with your confessionals. You can say what you want. And I think they both just had very different approaches to filming anyway. And that's, that's okay. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real, and for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Something else I would like to bring up is more of a personal note with you. (laughs) Because one of your favorite things, and I think we probably say it twice a month on our podcast at least and a million times when we're just dissecting things in person is about indifference. How indifference is so much worse than hate. And you always talk about that. And I think Ariana has embraced that so beautifully. And I'm so glad because I feel like she actually feels it and means it. And for that to be her point of view so close to this all going down, it's really unbelievable. And I think it's only grown since then. When you started with that, I didn't know where you were going. I thought you were going to jump into Lindsay and Danielle because apathy was the theme of that conversation, which I can't wait to get to. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I very much believe that she is not putting on a front. I mean, listen, as we said in some of the other previews, we see her breaking down. She's not immune to it. Of course, she's very much still in it. But I actually think the gift he gave her that he could have never given her if this didn't happen because she was too deep in it was the ability for her to view him from almost a bird's eye view. It was something she was unable to have while they were together. And so the moment of being taken out of it and really feeling as though not only was he so deeply disrespectful and wronged her, but as she said, he was a stranger. I mean, she didn't know who this person was. And I think that fueled her to allow her to see him in this light. And it almost like jolted her a little bit. You know, it was like, whatever you want to call the most severe version of a turnoff, it was like almost if an ick had superpowers is what I feel happened here. In addition to feeling so disrespected, feeling so hurt, feeling all that anger. On top of it, she was able to view him in a far less kind light than she has for the last decade. I feel like he did her a favor. He made it so easy for her. It just slid right off her back. Like there was not even an ounce of, and I think she knew it too. When she's recapping on Call Her Daddy and all of the other times she's spoken about when she first found the cheating on Tom's phone and she immediately texted everyone. Like she blew it up. 
And once you do that, there's no turning back. And she said, I wanted to have this safety net to know that I couldn't just reel it back and protect him this time. And I think, yes, of course, that was a smart move just because it helped her. But I think she also had a gut intuition that there was no jumping back from it this time. And she probably didn't even really want it to. Like it was an out. It was an out. It was an out. Oh, she wasn't, no, no, no. There was no world in which once this came out in this way that she was going back. But I loved when she was talking, I think it was on Call Her Daddy, about how she doesn't know what came over her. She's like, I'm not a spiritual person. I don't even really believe in God. She was like, but something came over me. I swear to God, I think it was divine intervention. And it said to me, look at the phone. She was like, his password hasn't changed. She's always kept it the same. But for some reason, something came over me to look in his camera roll. And I, I, I got the chills when she was saying that because it's not like she is the girlfriend that is snooping on a nightly basis. And also out of all times, what would randomly possess her in that moment while he was on stage and she was holding both of their phones to do that? You know, like, I'm sorry, I'm in the camp. She didn't say this, but to me, I was watching it and maybe I'm just personalizing it or projecting having a dead parent myself. To me, I was like, that was your dad. Like that was your dad telling you to look. If, if that was me, I would have totally thought it was my mom. Right. Like this is your moment. This is your opening. There's a reason. The video was in the more recent grid of his camera roll versus like if you had to scroll up and you didn't have enough time in the bathroom, like everything really fell into place in the way that it should and could right before the reunion, like so many things about it. And in a way, like I'm weirdly happy how it happened, but also part of me just for the pure entertainment wonders what if she had found out let's say two or three months before in a different way? And what if she had found out after the reunion and after all this filming? And what if Tom had really put, if this was ever going to happen, his so-called plan into action? Like, what would that look like? Would we be shocked if, you know, all of a sudden they broke up? I think we'd be like sad, but it would be like a Schwartz and Katie thing where we sort of mourned it and moved forward. But then if he started dating Raquel, would that just be like the tale as old as time Vanderpump story? I, I don't know what that would look like, but it certainly wouldn't propel her to have an Uber raising canes SoFi ad all in the same month and sell $200,000 worth of sandwich shop merch. Well, that's what I was going to say to you. I I do think another thing that is contributing to the authentic indifference is the amount of money she's making. It is far easier to go through something like this with the grace that she is going through. And you have not only so many work distractions, but also so many work distractions that are factually bringing you in a lot of money. I think that, you know, it's not really a fair comparison, but I do think that to me, at least it, it makes sense to say like, for whatever reason, even if we could not understand why he was remotely appealing, there was something about her relationship with Sandoval that was comforting to her. And honestly, that could just be because it was what she was used to. It had been for a decade. And so in the absence of that comfort and really a comfort that was ripped from her pretty traumatically to have and be able to build completely on her own, this like financial safety net, it's not a fair substitution, but to me, it makes sense of how she has been able to kind of get through this in a way that I think for a lot of us is what we would identify as like just fucking amazing. And I don't think she's thinking about this on a daily basis and by no means doing it for this reason. But I think the underlying feeling that Tom is literally so jealous and that all he would ever want in his life is for 
people to be clamoring over him and want him on the Today Show and The View and to do a Bloomingdale's campaign and like have that real stardom and star factor and just be completely adored by the public. That is like the one thing in life that he wants and that you just can't buy. And he was using the show in a way to like, you know, build that up. And he put in a lot of work. He wanted to be famous, be a reality star, start this band, the whole thing. And I think just now to see her as that after he, you know, he crashed her party with the cocktail book, it must be while she's cashing in the check, it must also just be like nice to think about him having to give away tickets to his show because he can't even sell enough tickets to fill half of the arena. Well, I mean, even when they were talking about the sandwich shop tonight, you saw Sandoval and Schwartz's face. Not saying that they wanted to fail. I mean, I don't think they're sick people in that way. But yeah, do I think that it's a little bit of a sensitive subject for them that they have been pouring their life savings into this fucking bar the second it starts to maybe pick up? The news of this affair rocks it so much to the point where they have to put out public statements from pretty much the employees asking people not to do that while at the same time, before even opening, Ariana and Katie's shop is making 200 grand. Like, yeah, I don't think it's something that they're thrilled with. And I think that for Ariana and Katie, that is the sweetest form of revenge. I would like to dedicate a couple of minutes to James Kennedy. This motherfucker. (sighs) Oh my God. No, he was having the time of his life. And I know a lot of that was fueled by anger and rage and passion and a desire for revenge and all of that. But the way that it came out was performance art. Him and Lala sitting together, like talk about a people's couch I want to watch. They're having their own freaking show on the side of the stage over there. I mean, everyone was so ready to pounce. I just felt like, I mean, it was frustrating in the beginning, but as a viewer, so fun to watch. Just Tom would literally open his mouth to take a breath of air and they're like, ah, nope, stop, shut up. Like they would not let him get away with fucking anything. And James came in with so much energy and built up frustration for Ariana, for him. I mean, we saw him taking it out on the Instagram comments. For Raquel, uh, this is like his Super Bowl. And to have Lala hyping him up by his side and they're you know hyping each other up and with the hilarious commentary, I am so glad we have them because there is literally not a moment of comedic relief that would be found if it was not for James and for Lala, you know, to kind of chime in with him. Well, it was that because of course, you know, he had all the same emotions that the rest of the cast had. On top of it, it was about Raquel, which as we know, he is a very complex set of emotions, reactions, a lot of, I think, undiscovered feelings there, not for her, but just about the way the whole thing went down, even if it's just ego-wise. So yeah, he was fueled to a whole other extent. However, in addition, and we were saying this a few weeks ago, it was the episode when it was Carl and Lindsay's engagement and then also one of the Scandal episodes of like, no matter where you sit in your typical Bravo fandom, there's no world in which you were on Danielle's side for the way that she was in that episode. And there's no way that you were on Raquel's side. And so I think if you're James, it's kind of refreshing to know that you are going into a situation where you are not then fighting for the fans to be on your side, for even anyone there to be on your side. Like, you know that you are on the quote, right side of history. And he, someone who has not been on the right side of history historically, for the most part, I think was riding that wave. 
Yeah, like it, there was no way really that he could fuck up. And I think he's always scared that he'll go a little too far or he'll say the wrong thing because he always does that. So to have this wide open highway to say whatever the fuck you want and nothing is off limits and there really is no boundary of how mean and how low you can go. This is his heaven. It is like a kid in a candy shop here. I mean, even just that first part when Sandoval starts sobbing and is like, thank you all for being there for Ariana, which on its own is like sick and we could probably spend another 45 minutes talking about. But they, he could have said anything. Again, there's just no right answer. And they were like pouncing. I mean, let's cut the bullshit, all right? And out of respect for Allie, I will phrase this question as in a world in which James and Allie broke up. Are Lala and James going to sleep together again? Okay, I actually think it's nothing to do with sleeping together. Like, I think that's like the lowest part of their connection. I just think that they are twin flame soulmates in a way. Like, they just have that understanding connection and friendship and rapport that you just don't find every day. And I don't know if that means it needs to be something romantic. I don't think it means that they need to get married and he needs to be Ocean's stepfather. But I do think that there's just this magic energy. Like maybe they need to like have a show together or something to channel this energy and creativity that they have together because they're such a dynamic duo. No, I agree because it's not even like the idea of them as a couple is enticing to me or even when I just said them sleeping together, it's not because I as a viewer want that. It's more so just because like, I don't know what else can be done with this energy that they clearly have for one another, but maybe it just is platonic. I I more so come at it from the angle of like, even forget about from Lala's side, solely from James's side, I have to imagine that the feeling of being so entirely and wholly understood by someone in the way that I believe he feels Lala understands him has to be a pretty intoxicating feeling. Because I don't think that James is someone that goes through life feeling consistently seen and understood in the way that he wants to. And Lala really just gets him, I think, in a way that he wants to be got. And so Yes, I think it's beneficial for both of them, but I really do feel that Lala plays such a specific role in his life in like a far deeper than just the show kind of way. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and... Every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And 
I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm actually crying laughing. I just saw a tweet that's from Colin Michael. It says, I know my girl Sheena did not put in 10 years of work and give us good as gold to be rudely seated next to Phineas and fucking Ferb. (laughs) By the way, true though. Like, what was she doing there? I guess because she had to swap out with Raquel at some point and Schwartz is in the middle. There's no right seating chart in this situation. No, it's like everyone on one side and then Schwartz, Raquel, and Tom on the other. There needs to be a little balance. I know. I thought that Sheena kills it so far, actually, in this this reunion. And it's true. I think we saw a preview for this coming up, but like we have been saying this. Yeah, obviously, Ariana is victim number one here, of course, but you know, it's not the easiest thing for Sheena either. I think it's a really difficult like dynamic shift for her in addition to feeling so betrayed. And also, you know, even just with the Katie thing, which I know in the scheme of things, the Raquel and Schwartz of it all feels the most insignificant. But if you extract the the actual like legitimate things there, it's what was going on behind the scenes with Katie and Sheena. And I do believe what we saw from Sheena here was genuine remorse. And like, how sick is it that we see more remorse from Sheena for kind of being pretty shitty to Katie than we do from either Raquel or Sandoval for what they did to Ariana. To me, that speaks volumes. I, I mean, I love Sheena and I think she's really evolved to a place where like, I do believe her and I, I, she's very self-aware here in saying, I took everything Raquel said as Bible and that's my best friend. And of course I was going to see things from her perspective. I specifically didn't like Katie. So it was that much easier and watching it back. Like she really was upset about it because I think she does feel guilty and bad about putting Katie and Schwartz in this position. She in some capacity cares about both of them. But also because, like you said, she too fell crime to Raquel's lies and manipulation and sort of spinning the truth just to make her life easier or better, to look better in some way. I was really trying to think about this when both Ariana and Sheena were talking separately. Ariana, I I believe it was on Call Her Daddy or with Andy and then Sheena in the reunion of like, how is it that this friendship with Raquel got as deep as it did? Because of course, to us, you know, at the very least, even if you're a fan of her, I think you would make the assertion that she seems to be lacking a little bit of depth or there's not that much going on upstairs. And I think maybe what it was, or at least a piece of what it was, in addition to her being fun and and around and kind of just a willing participant for anything that was going on who showed up with, you know, a positive attitude. I also think so much of, the people that they are surrounded by in LA 
are so afraid to kind of show weakness. It's like everyone is constantly trying to make it. There's a lot of, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. And I think oftentimes they feel as though it's hard to connect with people's authentic selves, which obviously they weren't getting Raquel's authentic self. However, she was willing to show weakness in her female friendships in a way that allowed them to almost take her in under their wings in different ways. But I would say that both Sheena and Ariana would say that that was a part of their relationship. They were very much there for her. They had her back. And yes, she was benefiting from that. But I also think they were benefiting from that. Like, it does make you feel good to know that you are making someone else feel protected, specifically when they have presented themselves as almost like this weakling that needs you. And so do I think that either Sheena or Ariana would sit here and say that they got some of their most emotional insightful advice from Raquel? No, but clearly something about their friendship was making them feel fulfilled. And I do think that a lot of it came from the fact that she kind of allowed them to take on that like mothering protective role. They pick their friends wisely. I mean, you see Ariana keeps a tight-knit group of only people she loves being around and she feels are additive to her life. Like she has a good filter up there. And I think Aside from the feeling like taking them under her wing, I mean, her and Tom going to Raquel's pageants to cheer her on and be her family in LA, like all of those things, which are really good feelings and allow you to feel really close to somebody. I I can give Raquel the credit that like, yeah, maybe they weren't going to like solve world peace with her over dinner, but that she was fun and funny and kept it very, very light and surface level and just wanted to have a good time. And she was like in those moments, very kind. And she had appealing qualities that probably were fun to be around. And I think for a long time, it was just very light and easy and she was just a good time. So it's like, of course, and Raquel wanted her to fly, like that whole narrative. So I, I feel bad because I do actually think those are real qualities Raquel had. Like she wasn't putting on this whole act, but once she sort of figured out her power and also I think was on the show and could figure out how to climb the ladder and what she really wanted to get out of this, she really weaponized all of those qualities and her relationships in a way that have now brought us to current day. Well, yeah. And then if you look at it from the perspective of her relationship with the guys, and I think Andy was maybe saying something similar. I believe it was on Chicks in the Office. I can't remember. I saw a clip on TikTok, but this was something that we had said a few weeks ago of like, for Raquel, I think the friendship she was forming with Sandoval and Schwartz and specifically being the only girl in that trio was an out-of-body experience. And then if you flip it for a second of what I was just saying about like what maybe she gave to the girls in terms of the feelings that it elicited and them like having this role of, you know, older sister or whatever... For Sandoval and Schwartz, in terms of the women in this group, no one was viewing them, forget about viewing them on a pedestal, that that ship had sailed years ago, but no one really even respected a word that came out of their mouths, understandably so. I mean, they had seen these guys for years and years. They saw the way that they disrespected women. They saw kind of just the sloppiness with which they brought to situations. No one was mesmerized by them. And for these guys, having women that are kind of mesmerized by you around is a very enticing feeling. And so it worked in both ways. For Raquel, it was like, this is the coolest fucking thing ever. The OGs of this show, who are these you know, two cool guys, love me and want to spend their time with me and are going to have my back. And then if you're Sandoval or Schwartz, this hot girl isn't totally jaded to who we are and views us in the way that we want to be viewed. It's like an absolute recipe for 
you know, both disaster and then like the most primetime reality television you could ever get. I'm telling you, that is a huge reason that all of this happened. I, I really feel that way. Uh, of course, 100%. I agree. Uh, another telling moment I feel was we've been creating in our heads our own timeline as we find out things and we start really putting all the receipts together. But I feel like kicking off this reunion with Tom and Tom not agreeing on the timeline and that oh shit moment where Schwartz says, yeah, he told me the end of August. And Sandoval's like, August? What are you talking about? Just seeing how they're really going to tell their truths and they didn't do their homework in the way that you would assume that they did was like, all right, we're really about to fucking ride this wave together. That was amazing. That was amazing because I know we had seen the preview for that in the trailer, but what we hadn't seen was Sandoval sit down with Andy where he says mid to late January. So that goes to show you, you know, Sandoval was fully walking into this reunion expecting that that timeline he gave to Andy in their individual sit down was the one that Schwartz was on. And for, you know, what you said earlier about everybody just waiting to pounce, it was like the actual second that the words late August came out of Schwartz's mouth, Lala was right fucking there. Like, oh, what? You guys didn't align your timelines? Well, what's also ironic about the whole thing is that clearly Sandoval in some way was trying to protect Schwartz and say, yeah, he's only known for the last like month or two. And Schwartz is outing himself like, yeah, I knew about the one night stand months ago. I didn't, you know, like he's basically saying, yeah, I've known for seven months and Sandoval's trying to say he's only known for two. So he ended up fucking himself over there. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada, yada, yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them the Fry Family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic nonstick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. 
Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com promo code CBC. Wait, you know what else was so crazy? And this was not on the reunion. This was something that came out of Call Her Daddy. When Ariana says, the night that Schwartz and Sandoval were on Watch What Happens Together and Schwartz was acting really bizarre, which was February 8th, Ariana says she knows for a fact that Raquel was in New York with them at the hotel room. Sick. It's fucking sick. That took me out and also adds so much context because Schwartz was off that night. I mean, he did not know what to do with himself. And so already we now have known for a while now that he was operating with this information. Of course, he was going to be uncomfortable. But additionally, not only was he operating with the information, he knew that when they got dropped off by their Uber, Raquel was going to be waiting in the hotel room. Forget about it. And then a month later, she would sit in the same seat and it would break that night right after with her and Sheena there. Oh, also, okay, we're, I guess we're not separating Call Her Daddy and the reunion because it, it all fits together. I know what you're going to say. It's so important. She, say it, say it. This is so important, yes. When they were on the four-way phone call? Yes, explain it. Okay, apparently when she found the video on the phone, she, they went outside to have a cigarette, the back of Tom Tom. she confronted him. He wanted to get the fuck out of there because he didn't want anyone to hear They got in an Uber. They stopped somewhere to get more cigarettes, she said, because she just wanted to chain smoke and drink all night, which, like, who can blame her? And at some point, she was on the phone with Raquel on her phone. Tom had taken her phone because she threatened to tweet about it, gave it back to her. And then somehow... Ariana on her phone ends up on the phone with Sheena and Tom on his phone is on the phone with Raquel, which like, what the fuck? And the four of them are having this conversation. I mean, what do you talk about POV? I'd love to see the Uber driver listening to this four-way conversation between Tom, Ariana, his mistress and her best friend. Like that is absolutely insane. And then we know back in New York, what's going down real time is that Sheena is shoving Raquel and then throwing her phone in the gutter. No, I mean, that is one of the wildest visuals. And those are the exact type of details that we constantly say is all we want. Like, give me a moment by moment rundown of what happened. That was what I was looking for. Thank you, Ariana, for that. But in addition, and I know, again, this is like not the core of it, but that conversation when they were all on the phone, that was a prime example of, you know, Sheena's pain in all of this. Of like, here's Sandoval on the phone basically downplaying their relationship, saying that they never had a friendship, you know, saying all that stuff, which again, I know is not the core of what was going on, but I just do think in addition to Ariana, like it rocked everyone's world. Here is Sheena, one of the biggest defenders of their relationship. If anything, she's in cahoots with Sandoval, making sure that any of these quote lies that Katie are spreading are not getting out. Meanwhile, here he is completely diminishing, you know, their friendship, their connection. And quite honestly, the level of protection that she had showed to both him and Ariana. I just think even though they understand how big of a deal this is, they underestimate the level of details that I'm willing to listen to and be obsessed with. Like, yeah, we've heard the story about her finding the phone, but every time someone tells it, I learn something new. And to hear it from her perspective is like, tell me more. 
what kind of car was the Uber? Was it two bucket seats in the back? Like, were you in a Suburban or were you in like a small sedan where it was a, you know, like a one bench seat? Where did you pull over to get cigarettes? Was it a gas station? Was it a shop? Was it on the side of the road? Was it a highway? How close to your house? Like, I want to know literally everything. When she said that there's a paparazzi photo that I've seen of him with like his arm up and that is the exact moment that she's about to say it to him, I was like, hang it in the fucking Louvre. What about when she said that they were fighting while walking down San Vicente? I Can I tell you what I was envisioning? Like fucking Sean Mendes and Camila <laughs> walking, walking out of the down bungalows. there last yes. night. No, literally, like I was literally envisioning Sean Mendes and Camila walking out of the bungalows into Ariana and Tom, like in the middle of their screaming argument. And by the way, to answer your previous question, I don't know, but I don't think it was a suburban. I don't think in the heat of the moment she was hitting an Uber block. I think it was like a Toyota Corolla. <laughs> That's what I was envisioning. <laughs> She's like, I'm saving my money now because, you know, I want to get my half in the split. Yeah, I think that in that moment she was hitting whatever was coming quick and it, it was probably a, a Corolla or a Prius. That's, but who, who's to say? We'll get, we do, I, I do agree with, for. yeah, I do agree with what Alex was saying. Like, we, let's get that overdriver on the fucking line. Oh my God, I would love to hear from him. Yeah. Ariana finding comfort in him while she's sitting, waiting for him to get the cigarettes. Like, are you hearing this? Just needing some validation from an external. And he's like, I just accepted the six minute ride. I didn't know I was being looped into the biggest scandal of all time. <laughs> of all time. No, I can't get over that perspective. Like, honestly, in all of this, I know we've given a lot of POVs. Like, that has got to be top tier. That is a better POV than the urgent care nurse at the center when Raquel walked in three days later with the fucking bruise from Sheena's nails. <laughs> Imagine the Uber driver like drops them off and then he accepts another ride and the next person gets in. He's like, you're never going to believe it. <laughs> That's wait. Imagine that there's someone out there who got in the Uber right after them and just has no idea what went down. That's like getting in the elevator after Solange, Solange and Beyonce. <laughs> Like, what, you're just going to press lobby? Like, shit didn't just go down in here? <laughs> yeah, they have no idea what that fucking RAV4 just saw. God, Literally no idea. Wait. Oh, my God. I just had a thought. Mm. You know when you get in Ubers? I don't know the, like, laws or whatever in California, but in New York, sometimes it'll say you're being recorded. Like, they have, like, a dash cam, but it's facing the back just to protect yes. the drivers. What if there's footage? I... And prepared to say there's nothing I wouldn't do for that footage. I feel like we got to make some calls. Uber HQ, <laughs> we're coming. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> no, that, the holy shit. I just know she was seeing red. I mean, talk about, you know, as we were saying, indifference. That indifference formed over the course of, of a week or two. That was not happening right there. In that moment, I think her anger, her disbelief, her everything was probably just through the roof in a way that she couldn't even, I don't even think she herself could comprehend the feeling. She said she was shaking. She was like, my whole body was like fucking vibrating. My whole body was vibrating when the TMZ article broke. So I can only imagine her. But again, I'm so glad and proud of her, how quickly she was able to get to that point of indifference because how annoyed and cringe feeling would she feel if this reunion came out when she was still like, too fragile to even really get to that point. And not that that's a bad thing, but just 
how it's so different from how she feels in real time right now. Whereas this is like, you know, she's still a little bit more walking on eggshells, but she is already thriving beyond belief. Like it's just, it, I feel like she is proud of this reunion and I, it could have gone the other way where she was just, wasn't ready to show her true self and like put that out to the world. You know, the other thing we didn't even talk about was when Lala kind of came for LVP. This was a moment of growth. This is when you realize that they are no longer the wait staff at their restaurant, but they are like equal adults who sort of realize, I don't have to listen to you and you're there, but I can pinpoint when you're wrong. It's almost like, it's like a crazy phenomenon that happens, I think, when with kids and parents, where I feel like everyone goes through that where like, you realize your parent could be wrong. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, which is a crazy, you know, realization because obviously as a kid, you you believe them to be kind of the end all be all. But when right. Lisa responds and Lala says, okay, that's your opinion. I reject it. Of like, whoa, Chip unlocked that she can do that. You know, there was a while there. I'm not saying it was so recent, but there was a while there where there was no world in which Lisa was going to give an opinion and Lala was going to reject it. It just didn't work like that. And so for on this grand of a stage, Lala to hold her own in what I believed to be a graceful and non-disrespectful way, yeah, that was a moment of evolution. That just goes to show this is not the same Lauren Kent from Utah that was showing up some years ago. No, and I think especially when it comes to things like this, they may feel like, Lisa, we love you and you're good at what you do, but you're wrong on this one and that's okay, you know? Yeah, and then by the way, also Lisa and Ariana's interaction where Andy basically questions Ariana about if she'll be able to maintain a relationship knowing that Lisa's kind of still in business with the Toms. And I thought Ariana handled that beautifully of like, listen, I'm not getting ahead of myself here. I'm obviously not gonna give Lisa business advice, but yes, naturally anyone that is maintaining a relationship with them, that will call ours into question. And you saw Lisa kind of push back. Ariana was giving it. I didn't find her to be unrealistic or unreasonable there, but I, I don't know. To me, she was holding her own in a very elegant way. 100% agree because she felt firm in that. She's not afraid of losing Lisa. Like, or I just think she feels so firm in her stance because like I said with James before, of course she's right. And there is absolutely zero wiggle room on the other end. And I think it's a boundary she set for herself as anyone who's involved or friends with Tom will no longer be part of my life. Lisa is probably one of the only people who has more of a predicament because of, yeah, the businesses, but also like the fourth wall break that this is her show. These are her kids basically. And this has been her life for the last decade. So that is also like a breakup that needs time to be figured out. But I think that I think that scared the shit out of Lisa. And I think oh Lisa, my God. hearing it from these kids was like, oh my God, we are not in season four anymore, kids. Oh, I mean, I think for Lisa, she was like not in Kansas anymore. But hold on, going back to Call Her Daddy for a second, when Ariana was saying that, you know, she knows for a fact that Tom was taking Raquel to St. Louis with his family and putting her up in a hotel and flying her around using different people's credit cards. And that's when... Alex asks her, you know, do you think that he is a pathological liar? And she's like, I can't accept that because that would mean that the last nine years of my life were a lie. But it was moments like that when she was talking about just how deep this affair really went, where you could tell she is struggling with wanting to portray what is clearly the reality, yet also not entirely lose her own sense of reality. Like, I, I think that's a very, very difficult spot to be in, aside from the emotional torture. 
it's just like, how am I supposed to recount my life accurately knowing what was going on yet also wanting to trust the way that I was feeling for a while? Like to me, nothing illustrated that point more perfectly than her having to come to terms with the fact that he was bringing fucking Raquel to St. Louis. The family getting involved is what takes it from so real and crazy to a whole other level. When she had said on Watch What Happens that Sandoval's family has not reached out to her once, I'm like, okay, this does not just affect the 10 people on the cast and that all of us who watch Bravo. There are so many layers. His friends, her friends, their family friends, their parents, their parents' friends, all of their siblings, their siblings' friends, anybody who was in business with them, anybody who knew them, like, that's when you realize, oh shit, this doesn't just end when the reunion is over. Like this is some real stuff. And I think when you get into the nitty gritty of things that were never shown on camera, that those were even affected things like him potentially taking her home to his hometown, not only once, but more than once and putting her in a hotel and the family wasn't happy with him. Like this goes far and wide beyond even the scope that we know after doing so much investigation and journalism on it. It is so deep. It is so deep. You hear she doesn't think that the Billy Lee thing is legit. Yeah. I I, I just, the one thing I took from that, which like, okay, great. I'm, I'm happy if she doesn't believe that. But I don't want her now to have to justify. She was doing a thing where she was like, I love and trust Billy Lee. And I know I said that about Raquel, but I really feel it about Billy. And I was like, you know what? You don't got to explain yourself. Trust your gut. We still trust your gut. We still trust your gut, Ariana. And don't, think that we don't anymore just because you had one time that someone else fucked it up for you. I, well, you can tell she is so conscious of like not wanting to quote, look stupid. And I under, like, I understand why she feels in that spot, but I, I picked up on that as well. When she was talking, it was like, God, I'm so upset on your behalf that you feel that you have to justify your views on people. Cause you're not someone that always gets it wrong. You're somebody that devoted a large portion of your life to someone that you really loved and you unfortunately got screwed by their own selfishness. But that's not your burden to carry. That's theirs. A hundred percent. I kind of think that's a wrap on Vanderpump. I mean, I know this wasn't necessarily the most riveting recap. We are genuinely processing this in real time. It's currently, let's see, 12, 12.27 a.m. Wednesday night, Thursday morning. So I feel hopeful. I will say this. I feel hopeful that the next two parts, we're going to get some more, maybe new information, maybe things we haven't heard. But this was just kind of getting us settled, getting us used to the dynamic here, getting us to watch Raquel's POV from that fucking trailer. And I don't know, Godspeed. We'll be here same time, same place next week. See you there. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place.
50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Of course, the thing to talk about in the Summer House finale is the conversation in the kitchen between Lindsay and Danielle, which we will get to in one minute. But I just have to tell you, when we saw the preview for this season and there was that clip of Danielle falling to the ground after the fight with Lindsay, and we were fucking losing it, imagining what that was going to be. What was the lead up to that moment? It did feel so fulfilling to finally see in its entirety the moment that kind of brought on that breakdown. Am I wrong in thinking that the way this whole thing went down was just like so weird? Okay. Can I give you my assessment as to why it felt that way? And you can tell me if this is accurate from your read. Yeah. The way that I felt about it was, remember how last week, and I know you mentioned this earlier in the Ariana conversation, but I was saying to you, like, I think the reason that Danielle was really starting to lose it is because she was starting to pick up on Lindsay's apathy. And of course, what comes after apathy a lack of a desire to work through it, which was like both what Danielle should have expected, but kind of also her worst nightmare coming to fruition. And so this week, I think, I mean, obviously really being able to see Lindsay's apathy in the flesh based on their conversation definitely contributed to everything. But I think the reason it felt kind of off as the viewer was because you had one person who literally felt like, you know, this was the moment they had been waiting for. It was like we were witnessing a pretty much a nervous breakdown happen in real time and and someone feel as though they were finally being able to voice everything that they had been wanting to voice. And then another person who was just significantly farther along in their process of grieving. So it felt like, you know, what we had been expecting, I guess, previously, if you didn't know anything and you only saw that preview was like, it was going to be Danielle and she was going to be met with Lindsay having a similar reaction. But what Danielle didn't get is like, Lindsay is far past having that reaction. One, she wasn't going to be quote activated in that way as a way to not, I think, give Danielle that satisfaction. But second of all, Lindsay had kind of mourned this, you know what I mean? In a way that Danielle hadn't. So I think what, I, I think, I mean, I could be wrong, but from what I was picking up on and maybe what you were picking up on as well was like, it was just so clear how different spots they were at in their path of working through the end of this friendship, you know? Totally. And even if Lindsay had said a million times, I'm over it. I have no reaction. I'm not going to give it to her. Given her history and just everything we know about Lindsay, I never would expect she actually would stick to it, especially when Danielle is getting, you know, up to this level and really upset and saying things and, you know, what you would think would bring it out of her. And Lindsay did not budge. And again, back to our indifferent, apathetic conversation. I knew that this was done and was completely fucked when she didn't even bring it there. It wasn't worth her time and energy. And that's a Lindsay that I don't know her. Like, I do not know that girl. But the thing is, you do know that girl. Like, we don't know that girl when she is so 
deeply invested in something. When she is done, she is done. She shows that time and time again. Yes, is this a more therapized version of Lindsay that's able to be, quote, above it? Like, possibly. But there's also a very real side to her, which is like, once she's wiped her hands clean of something, she doesn't go back into that emotional reaction that a lot of people do. I think she is far more capable. And I'm not saying this is a positive or negative. I genuinely just think that this is like a more objective view of her personality traits. Like she is far more capable of kind of turning her back to a situation. It's very similar to last week when she was pissed at Carl for feeling emotional. She doesn't understand how could you feel so emotional when you've been so hurt by someone? Is it possible that this is a lot of like a self-protection mechanism that she has built up from things in her past, you know, and different relationships with family members? Possibly. Like she knows that she, the only way she can stop herself from being more hurt is if she stops herself from continually caring. So I think she drew a line in the sand of like, I am simply not going to give a fuck because if I don't give a fuck, I can't be more hurt. And I think that that's how her anger manifested itself in this particular situation. Yeah. I guess we're just not used to seeing it when it comes to Danielle or something like this, that would you assume she would care a lot about? And I think she's crossed over to the other side, clearly. The thing with Danielle, and it's like, even though throughout this entire fight and the weeks leading up, I was so not on her side. And to me, nothing could forgive the way that she was at that engagement party. Obviously, when someone is having like a legitimate nervous breakdown, I still feel bad for them. I mean, I think she was really having a hard time coming to terms with the ending of this friendship, but what she wasn't getting clearly, and I, and I understand because they hadn't had a lot of conversations about it. Like when Danielle is talking, right? And she's giving this very emotional display, she's coming at it from the angle of their friendship as a whole and how it's been for years and how she's been there for Lindsay. And all of that is entirely accurate. What she didn't realize is that in Lindsay's mind, at least this was my view of it, what has gone on in the last, let's say, I don't know, six months is the only set of facts that Lindsay was operating from, meaning that was reason and evidence enough that Lindsay never had to look you know, past that because to her, it was like that much of a deal breaker. And they were also having such a miscommunication there because here was Danielle trying to talk about their friendship as a whole. And for Lindsay, it's not about their friendship as a whole. It's about the fact that the happiest time of my life, I feel was jeopardized by your inability to be happy for me. And like, there was no, she was, Danielle was pulling out stops that weren't going to land because as far as Lindsay's concerned, those are two completely separate lives. The disconnect for me was that Danielle kept saying, and I guess it was just the way that she was sort of explaining herself, was basically, yeah, I did feel weird about your relationship, but no matter what, I would have showed up for you. And Lindsay's like, okay, but let's backtrack to that part about why you feel weird about my relationship and these issues you have with me and Carl dating and whatever and moving too fast and how you feel about us. Danielle couldn't understand like that it wasn't just about her going around at the party. That was just the tip of the iceberg. It was everything else. And Lindsay would not have felt settled allowing Danielle to just like slap a smile on and celebrate them if she knew that these issues were like deep rooted and still continuing on. But if I'm Lindsay, and again, I am not even really a fan of Lindsay's, but if I am Lindsay, I don't believe a word that she's saying when she says I would be able to put that aside and be happy for you. Not because of the fact that she had questions about the relationship or was worried about the timeline, but because in the last at least three weeks, anytime the idea of engagement was even brought up, even from Carl himself, Danielle couldn't seem to get on board. That's your own fault. Right. So like, when, when do you mean that you were going to be able to put it aside? Because when it was mentioned to you and Carl said something about the ring, you screamed into a pillow. 
So like, I, I understand why Danielle feels as though she should be given the benefit of the doubt, given the friend that she had been to Lindsay for so many years. I really, really do. And I think in a lot of ways, Lindsay was shitty to her when Danielle was wonderful to her and always as her eternal or in her mind viewed herself as her eternal protector. But you know what? There are some times in life when decisions that you make and the way you act about a certain situation, it, it ruins it. Like it, it just takes over. And I think that for Lindsay, this one just took, took over and it sucks, but like they, it's probably better off that they are not friends. This is like a weird way to put it, but Danielle can't be mad that she flunked her audition. Not that they were testing her, but she had all summer to sort of direct her sales and set up exactly how she wanted to be perceived. So if she had been all gung-ho and excited, she would have been part of it. She's, I think, just mad at herself for handling it differently, which like, I don't blame her. She should be authentic to who she is. But then you can't like be mad that they didn't include you based on your own actions that you put out there. God, it's like, it's so fucked up because- I know. Because like in this particular situation, I'm so fucking on Lindsay's side. Generally speaking, I don't like the way that Lindsay handles things. And I do think that it it can cause someone to lose it a little bit, but I can't, you know, that aside, I, I, I just have to be honest in the way that I felt that this went down. Wait, the other thing I just wanted to mention is like, and this is coming from someone who is a big time fan of, you know, Sierra, Amanda, Paige. I know a lot of people don't like them. I do. That was such bullshit that the way that they were able to masterfully turn into what was really eavesdropping, which by the way, I would have done the exact same thing into like, no, we were just waiting because we knew that you, you know, we needed to be here for you. Bullshit. Not saying that Amanda didn't love being able to be there for her in the moment. I do think that Amanda is a very emotionally generous person who likes to take care of people, but they just so happened to be there. Like they were, they were there because they were wanted to watch the drama go down. It was just so weird. And like Maya, I think read it wrong and thought Danielle was like so happy to see them and then realized that she was hysterically crying. Like everything about it was just so, so off. And then Danielle's on the floor crying. Lindsay's back outside talking to Carl. No one else knows what's going on. Everyone's in fucking cheetah print. It was just, it was madness. Those are the moments that you need, Craig, though. Those are the moments when Craig being a season, (laughs) no, seriously, being a seasoned vet of Southern Charm knows how to handle a situation like that because it even comes out in, like, we can use Maya for an example, who's a season twoer. A season twoer doesn't understand the way to handle that type of situation in the way that, like, a Southern charm veteran does, you know, like there's just some things when it comes to reality TV that you have to set up a moment for that. And that's why they keep bringing them back around. (laughs) Oh, I know in the scheme of things, this felt insignificant given the magnitude of the Danielle and Lindsay thing, but Maya and Oliver, I didn't know that this was going to go down like on camera, but not on camera. Honestly, I will say, even though it was so bizarre in the way that it went down, it did feel kind of, I don't know, validating is the wrong word, but it felt like it tied things up a little bit in a bow because we as the viewer had so much confusion about their relationship even before we were clued in to there being issues because every time he was coming to the house, it was like a side hug. She didn't really seem that interested. He didn't really seem that interested. It it just felt confusing. Like what's happening here? And in the last few weeks, she started to clue us in, but you saw like shit really hit the fan, even though it, it didn't really because she didn't want it to be that publicized. Yeah, I, I I was confused about how like she really was trying to hide it. And I guess probably embarrassed, but also protect him, protect her. But I did not realize that shit hit the fan in this way, though. Like that it was such an explosive moment and that he was still showing up at the house. Like what? I know. And then even at the party, like it wasn't even just the other women that she found out via Instagram. Like he couldn't even 
and not that he was doing anything terrible, but clearly it was a sensitive subject and he couldn't even just hold it together at the party. <laughs> I know. And he doesn't even have to go to the reunion to answer for it, which is like really getting off easy there. When she said at the preview, like, yeah, I found out it was 11 women. I was like, oh shit, Oliver, come on. And you still had to go to the jungle party? Exactly. Why did he need to show up to the fucking jungle party? It feels unnecessary. Beyond unnecessary. <sighs> but what else you got to say? I feel like so much, but also nothing at all. This is just a lot. There's so much happening in the Bravo world. Like we could podcast for hours and not even cover it. I mean, we have Ariana's week in review alone is enough for two hours of content, but then we have all the shows, all these reunions, all these podcasts. Like I I am a content queen and I can't even begin to keep up. What a time, you guys. All right. I, yeah, I mean, all right. (laughs) All right. All right. (laughs) Okay, you guys, we love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. Thank you for letting us process this and signing off 1244 AM Wednesday night. Good night, New York. (laughs) 